You're listening to the Elevate Podcast, the official podcast of the Coastal LA Singles Ministry, where our focus is reaching up, reaching in, and reaching out. What's well, awesome to be here tonight? I hope you guys are excited. I know I am. All right, it was coming up kind of fuzzy there, so. But, um, you know, I was really excited about my topic, and then I found out five days before I had to do the lesson that I wrote the wrong lesson. I actually wrote Jonathan Galvan's lesson, so if Jonathan, if you need a lesson, I got it for you. But, um... But the lesson that I wanted to write was this qualified to be chosen, which was actually Jonathan's, and mine was helpless to be empowered. So I don't know if I feel disqualified tonight or if I feel helpless, but it's awesome to be here, nonetheless. But the title, like I said, is Helpless to Be Empowered. And when you think of the end of me, this is not rhetorical, so I want somebody to answer, or a few people to answer. When you think of the end of me, get rid of the book. What do you typically think of? Yes. Death, something challenging. Anybody else? No more selfishness. Okay, allowing God to do something in your life. The final epic. Okay. Burnout. You know what I think of when I think of the end of me? Ah! That's what I think of. I want to scream. It's death to myself. It's agonizing. It's painful. It's not fun. It's embarrassing. It hurts and makes you want to scream. You feel like you can't take it anymore. You know, a lot of times we enter pain and we can feel helpless. But that's truly when God can empower us, is when we're in a helpless state. And so let's go to the next slide here. So this is me when I was 17 years old. And if any of you guys know that guy to the right, that's Jake Rock. Yeah. And so we were both about 16, 17 years old at the time. And, you know, my parents, for the first time, they let me out past midnight. And I was pretty excited about that. And I went out and I did some mischievous things that uh, I don't really want to talk about tonight, but we can talk about that another time. But, but I had to be home. I had to be home by 12, or no, I had to be home by min, or excuse me, 1 a.m. And it was 12.50. And so it was going to take me about 15 minutes to get home, but I only had 10 minutes to do it. And so at the time... I was driving this Firebird here, and it was a 1991. It wasn't a V8. It was a V6. I was posing. But, um, but so I get in the car, and I'm driving as fast as I can. And I passed some guy in a no-pass lane, and right on the corner was a cop. And so I figured, you know what? I'm a pretty good driver. I could get away. So I started, I started to book it. And then I was, I passed, uh, or I ran a stop sign, a red light, and uh, was doing 17 and 35 and evaded arrest. 
And uh, I got pulled over. I decided to pull over because I couldn't shake him. Keep in mind, mind I was was 17 years old. Um, Keep that in mind. Um, And so he he tells me over the loudspeaker, uh, son, throw your keys out the window. So I threw my keys out the window. He comes up and he said, have you had anything to drink tonight? I said, no. He's like, are you on drugs? I'm like, no. He's like, how does someone sober drive like that? You know, a lot of times we think we've got it. We think we can do it. We think that our way is the best way. I thought my way was the best way, but it definitely was not the best way because I got arrested. And I remember sitting there on the curb with the red and blue lights just flashing. And and I remember thinking, wow, there's nothing I could do to get out of this. Nothing. I am helpless. And I remember my dad, he drove my car home, and I was riding with my mom, and she's like, you are going to get it when we get home. (laughs) I didn't get beat or anything. I just got grounded. My dad took uh, my license away for three months, and it took my car away. But um, sometimes I have flashbacks, but I'm okay. (laughs) You know, a lot of times, like I said, we think we've got it. I'm good. I don't need anyone else. And I believe in these times, when we think we have it all together, God can't work in our lives. He can't work. And so I wanted us to go to Luke chapter 5, verse 22. Luke chapter 5, verse 22. And you can give me an amen or Jesus is Lord when you get there, whichever. All right. I think I heard enough. So Luke chapter 5, verse 22, it says, After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up and left everything and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of uh, tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. You know, were the Pharisees at the end of themselves? No way. They thought they were good. They looked down upon the tax collectors and the sinners, but how did Jesus view them? He viewed them with compassion. You know, we can, and I can fall into that Pharisee mentality. Where I can look to the brother on my right, the sister on my left. Man, that brother, he hasn't been in church in two weeks. What's his deal? What's going on? Oh, hi, Jason. Jason was waving to me. (laughs) Um, And so we could be judgmental. You know, but when we fall in that mentality... Jesus, He's gentle, and He has compassion on those around us, and we need to have that type of compassion with people. And when we're in that helpless state, when we can fall in that helpless state, you know, that's when Jesus believes we can do something amazing for Him, and He wants us to do something 
amazing no matter what life stage we're in, no matter what's going on, God can always do something amazing in our lives. And in John chapter 5, we're going to continue. Whoa. It says, Sometimes, Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there in Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. Now Bethesda, that means house of mercy. And so I got a couple pictures here of what it would have looked like or what it does look like. So Pool of Bethesda is house of mercy. And many people would come that were sick. They would come to this pool because even if you look at the footnote in your Bible, it may say, if you guys have footnotes in there, it may say that it was believed that the angel of the Lord would come and would stir the water. And so when the water would stir, when they would see the water stirring, they believed that the first person to jump in that water would be healed. And so, so they would wait and watch it to be stirred. And this man, he had been, been there for 38 years. Don't tell anybody, but I'm 30. I'm 30 years old, and 38 years, that seems like a long time to be there. And I think, man, would I have given up at this point? Would I have stopped going to the pool? But this man kept going. And let's go ahead and continue. And in John chapter 5, verses 6 through 7, it says, When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, Do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. You know, a lot of times we can feel like this invalid. If I only had someone to help me. If I had a different upbringing. If I only had someone I could trust to get open with. You may feel like I can't overcome this sin in my life. This lust. The pornography. The addiction. The deceit. The gossip. Maybe there's something huge in your life that you feel like you can't get rid of it. You've done everything you possibly can do. And maybe that, that's where a lot of you are tonight. Maybe you feel like there's that one thing in your life that you just want to push out. But if you don't get open and you keep allowing time to get, go on, it'll get worse and worse and worse and worse. And not only that, but it'll start seeping into other areas of your life. You know, you don't get open, and so you're not as vulnerable with someone as you would like to be. And then you can't be as close to that person as you wanted to be. And then you start to feel alone. And it's just this snowball effect that happens. And so you become an invalid. And when we don't ask for help, or we're not open, we aren't helpless and so we can't allow Jesus to empower us in our life. 
You know, I remember I had a similar situation, and it started with a bag of hot Cheetos. And um, I love hot Cheetos. They're uh, one of my favorite snacks, but I, I don't like to eat them anymore because uh, you, you gain a lot of weight when you eat a lot of hot Cheetos. Um, but I remember I was eating the hot Cheetos, and I felt an extra crunch in there. And I'm like, hmm, what is that? And it felt kind of gritty. And so I'm like, okay, what's going on? So I go to look in the mirror, and my filling fell out, and I swallowed it. And I felt like, man, I really got to get this taken care of. And I kept telling my, myself that, like, on a daily basis. Like, I, keep, I need to keep taking care of this. I need to go take care of it. And my wife was like, Stephen, um, you know, my wife's a nurse, by the way. But uh, she said, Stephen, if you don't get that taken care of, it can become an infection. And then if it becomes an infection, then your blood can become infected. And then you'll get a fever, and then you can die. And I said, wow, that's really dramatic. Okay. And so I didn't listen. And I kept... You know, eating, and it, there was times I had to go in the bathroom, and I had to, like, pick it out of my tooth because it was down in there deep. And it started, to, it started to hurt really, really bad. And so I woke up one morning, and I had a fever. And I go to look in the mirror, and my face is like a balloon. And I remember thinking, oh, my gosh, the next step is dying. <laughs> And, and so I rushed to the dentist. And I hate the dentist. How many of you hate the dentist? I hate the dentist. I feel like it's torture. Um, and I go to the dentist, and he takes an x-ray, and he looks at me, and he says, I can't help you. And I'm like, what? What do you mean you can't help me? He's like, well, I'll give you some antibiotics that will take care of the infection, but you need to see an oral surgeon. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And so I go to see this oral surgeon, and he says, you know, my wife suggested, hey, they're going to ask if you want to be put under. Um, and we weren't, I don't think we were, were we married? I don't think we were married at the time. We were engaged. And um, he told me he was going to be $400 to put me under. And I'm like, nah, I'm not going to do it. You know, I'm a man. I can, <laughs> I can, uh, I can tough this one out. And so I'm sitting there, and they start injecting me with the Novocaine, and he grabs what look like fancy pliers. And he's grabbing my tooth, and he's like yanking. And then it crushes, and I feel it. And I'm like, oh, my gosh! And he's like, what? He's like, you feel it? He's like, no, you just feel pressure. I'm like, no, I feel it. And he's like, do you want us to put you under? I'm like, no, 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 keep going, keep going. <laughs> and so he pulls again, and it, it's starting to hurt really, really bad. I feel like I'm being tortured. And he's like, I'll give you a discount. I'm like, how much? <laughs> he's like, $350. I said, okay, put me under. <laughs> and it felt great when I woke up. You know, but the moral of the story is that 
If I had come to the end of myself, oh yeah, my wife wanted me to say I should have listened to her, so there you go, wife. Um, if I had listened to her, if I had come to the end of myself, it would have been an easy fix. I would have just gone in, they would have popped in a new feeling. And the crazy thing is, I was afraid more of the fix than the repercussions. And a lot of times, we can be afraid of the fix more than we can be afraid of the repercussions. You know, I was in the routine of, I'll be fine, it's okay, nothing's going to happen. My tooth is good, now, and now it's gone. You know, I don't have it there. But it started out with something really small. Really, really, really small. And then it just grew and grew and grew and became this huge thing where I could have died. You know, a lot of times we can feel scared or afraid about getting open about the small things. But when we're afraid to get open about the small things, they just get bigger and bigger. And believe me, fear is highly motivating. It kept me from going to the dentist when they would have just put the filling in and it probably would have been, it would have been pain-free. But I was so afraid to go to the dentist that I ended up getting a fever and had to have my tooth ripped out. You know, we can think it's going to go away on its own, but it never does. And a lot of times when we wait too long, it gets so big that we get embarrassed to share about it. We're afraid to talk about what's going on in our lives. And, but the crazy thing is it's only going to get bigger and bigger. It just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. You know, we, we know that the Bible says pride comes before the fall. But I want to ask you, why are we so afraid to be helpless? Why are we so afraid to be open? Why are we so afraid of the fix? I mean, what's going to happen if we get open? Someone's going to have compassion on us. They're going to pray for you. And then maybe you're going to get better. You know, James chapter 5, verses 15 through 16. It says, And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. You know, when we see we're helpless, that's kind of like the first step. When we know we need help, that's the first step. You see, oh, I've got this problem in my life. I need to go get it taken care of. Then we get open, and when you're open, that brings healing. You pray for each other, and that brings healing. I know there's times where I got up with, with things and it was just like a huge weight lifted off my chest. And the Bible says the righteous are as bold as lions. Why is that? Because they're open. They're real. They're vulnerable with one another. And if you're not vulnerable, if you're not open, if you're not real, then you'll be fake and you'll feel weighed down and you'll feel like you've got this huge mountain that you're driving behind you. You know, the invalid made an excuse, and Kyle, the author of the book, um, Kyle Eidelman, 
On page 147, you can turn there if you want. You don't have to. Um, I'm, not, I'm just going to be paraphrasing it anyway. But Kyle comes in contact with a homeless man, and the homeless man asks him for some money. So Kyle gives him the money, and he says, Hey, can I ask you some questions? And he said, You got any more money? And he's like, No, I don't have any more money, but can I ask you a question anyway? He said, Sure. He asked him, What's the hardest part about living in your situation? And he told him, The hardest part is asking for help. You know, we can't be afraid to be helpless. If you are, you might as well say, I don't need Jesus. Jesus says the healthy don't need a doctor, but the sick do. And he did not come to call the righteous, but he came to call the sinners. Who in here is a sinner? Everybody, right? And in verse 7, he acknowledges that he needs some help. Or he acknowledges that he needed help for, for someone to take him into the pool. But at the same time, he kind of makes an excuse. But how does Jesus respond? He doesn't say, well, you know, you made an excuse, so I can't heal you. Bye. Sorry, next person. The guy admitted he was helpless. He just didn't ask for help. And Jesus tells him to take your mat, get up, and walk. You know, a lot of times we can be helpless like this man. But when we're helpless and we realize it and we're open, we can be healed. And Jesus can say, hey, get up, take your mat, and walk. And so, with that tonight, there is a few questions. Hopefully I can get this thing up. You know, what is the one thing currently in your life that has seemed impossible to overcome? So when we, when we separate and you get into groups of two or three, I want you to answer this question. What is the one thing currently in your life that has seemed impossible to overcome? In the past, what has helped you overcome what you thought to be impossible? I want you guys to take some time and pray for one another to overcome the impossible so you can be empowered by Christ. And with that, let's go ahead and say a quick prayer before we break up into our groups. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for just allowing us to be here tonight to hear your word and to allow the word to cut us. I pray, God, that uh, we're able to be open. We're able to be real. We're able to be vulnerable so we can be, so we can feel as bold as lions, so we can feel righteous, and so we can allow you to move powerfully and empower us in our lives. Thank you for this time. Thank you for all of us being able to be gathered here today. We love you very much, and I pray in your son's name. Amen. You've just listened to the Elevate Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit elevatecoastal.com.